This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Daniel Prue, sitting in the center chair this week, and joining me, as always, are my favorite co-hosts. We have Damon Darren. Darren, how are you doing? I, I... I hear you have a real affinity for the first officer on this ship here. I I do. I I think he was much better the second time I met him with that with that beard. But yeah. but uh yes, but don't tell him tell him I said that. There's no profit in in gratitude and flattery. <laughs> Actually, there. I have a feeling there's a rule of acquisition that maybe flattery can get you pretty far. What, what's a rule a of acquisition? I've never, I've never heard of those. <laughs> and also joining us, we have Grand Nagus Gilfus. Uh, now, I know, I know, Philip, that maybe we're a little unfamiliar with that title, but I, I think it might still fit the topic. So, how did you become the ultimate? Uh, uh, the ultimate capitalist. Ah, oh, well, ah, oh, your environment is so bright and shiny. Ah, ooh, I'm going to just hide in this fur here because that is the more comfortable place for me. Ah, oh. I'm trying to. Philip, you seem a little skittish. Ah, here, you you are attacking me. I click. I'm going to use my weapon. Just stand still and don't move, because if you move, I totally will miss you with this thing. Oh, it takes a while to charge. Just just stand there for a couple of minutes. <laughs> okay, well, if if anybody can't tell from our introduction there, um, today on Earl Grey, we're going to be talking about the Ferengi, right? Uh, our sister show, The Orb. To the orb. To the, okay, no, that's no. yeah, that's that's not a thing. No, um, they they have, I believe, uh, uh, talked about the orb. Uh, talked about the orb. They have, I believe, have talked about the Ferengi before. So, let's talk about the Ferengi. The TNG, the TNG established the Ferengi as a threatening, scary, intense species that we should all avoid. The, the Ferengi are the big bad of TNG, aren't they? Do you, I mean, Darren, are you not like intimidated every time they come on screen? What's going on? Uh, intimidated. Uh, that's a word, but, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would use that in conjunction with the Ferengi. Well, what what do you mean? I don't. I mean, they're they're the big bads. They're they are. They, before the board came around, all we had were the Ferengi. Darren, I hope they find you as tasty as they did their last. <laughs> oh, you're all talk, Philip. Really? I mean, it's just I don't buy it anymore. <laughs> I mean, since the academy, I've just heard Ferengi this and Ferengi that. That they're gonna, you know, they're the ones that turned your skin inside out. They're the ones who are gonna gnash you with their teeth. But when I finally encountered Ferengi, what do I get? I get I get fur. It's like how are you a warp capable species and you clothe yourselves in fur? I mean, the pack lids make you guys look good, okay? I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, Darren, who is this professor at the academy that is spreading the scurrilous lies? I want names. Let's see. Since it's 2013 right now, it must be Boothby because it's he's actually really 2014. been around. No, he's been around even since then. He's just He's been, you know, he's just always there. That's the real trick. Uh, that's a mystery we'll unveil later on. He's actually a traveler. 
Okay, so <laughs> what about you, Philip? I mean, does Ferengi conjure fear in your heart? The, the name? Are you like just just? The- yes, I'm very very afraid every time I see them in an episode. I'm like, oh god, <laughs> what's going to be happening in this one? Oh god, how is this going to be ruined? Um, yeah, it's it's though. I mean, I, again, I'm I'm of course the eternal optimist here on Earl Grey, so I can certainly cite a lot of times where I'm like, oh, Frangier in the. Oh wait, no, this this is this is a good episode. Okay, but but I would say more often than not, it's like, uh, I mean, you just brace yourself automatically when you see the Frangi. I mean, sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. Other times you're like, yep, that's them. Though though I will say they're they they're surprisingly as much as their reputation is they're in a lot of episodes like it's not like just like five they're in like i would probably say a dozen episodes 15 in fact wow featured. i wouldn't have called there you that. go I, it's almost like they spent yeah. a lot of money on prosthetics and really really needed they get get some <laughs> mileage out of it 15 episodes the, the okay so you know as obviously we're talking about the frangi here but i should give a little bit of background in case maybe listeners are not familiar well daniel they're all ears. <laughs> um, when the, when the you know when the the Star Trek team was creating the next generation, at some point they said, "What is going to be our Klingons?" Because it had been decided fairly early on, I think, that the Klingons were not going to be the Klingons anymore. Right? They were going to be friendly and or, or at least friendly enough where we would have a Klingon. Like that was a big thing. That was that was part of a, the initial concept of the show. So we needed something else to fill that Klingon shaped void. What they came up with first was the Ferengi. And uh, we'll talk about this episode specifically a little bit later, but uh, the last outpost, which was supposed to introduce them. And in fact, they had been mentioned earlier on in the season in encounter. And I think possibly another episode or two um, didn't pan out. It was just, it was, you know, (laughs) If you watch the Ferengis, it's 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 a laughing stock uh, for the, I think for the most part of the Star Trek community, the uh, the last outpost of how ridiculous um, the Ferengi are in that episode. What happened, Darren? Why did the Ferengi fail so spectacularly? Well, see, I, I'm just totally trying to picture like this outline of a Klingon, and then just a Ferengi standing within that outline. It's like half his height, and uh, it just it just doesn't work. They de- they can't fill those you know spike toed boots and uh but yeah okay so the frangi this is why you want really good writing in your show and even because it's science fiction you can't go lax on the writing you have to make a good villain and i mean star trek like you said it's been established that we have these overarching villains it's not yes you have the creature of the week but we have, we want to see familiar faces. We want to be like, oh, there's that creature again. Oh, this is going to be bad. And yeah, and the Ferengi just, which, okay, it, as much as we, I'm sure we're going to rag on the Ferengi tonight, I, I have to also say, though, it's the TNG Ferengi that we're ragging on. And I know I know we'll get to, to later Ferengi later, but the, they, they do pull this spruce goose out of its nosedive inches before the ground but it 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 does yeah it just I, I don't know where to begin it's just they're they're not intimidating they're they can't shoot they use laser whips they don't they're just this is the flagship it may be even against like kirk's ship which is smaller but this ship is ginormous and it's like i, I it's <laughs> the enterprise is gonna kick their butts are you are you saying are you saying the the Ferengi are like the Hood's enemy, not the Enterprise? They're more like the Hood, maybe the Bozeman. May, oh, maybe <laughs> no, they've no. seen the Hood a lot because they have, you know, they do seem to have an affinity for smaller ships, you know. Darren, Darren, yes. you've you've seen Star Wars. I know it. Once or once you like lasers. You like lasers. Uh, Darren, you've also seen Indiana Jones. about turbo Jones. lasers? Because they're not lasers in Star Wars. They're turbo no, lasers. No, 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 no. You like... I'm saying you like Indiana Jones. Yes. He has a whip. Uh, How can you not like laser whips, Darren? What is the problem here? It's laser a whips laser is the ultimate It's like, okay, <laughs> you could put a laser into a sword and it's really cool. You put it into a whip and it's the lamest thing ever. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, all right, Philip. What do you think? Uh, last outpost. <laughs> what happened? I mean, come on. Somebody uh, dropped the ball somewhere. Somebody at some point, the director, I don't know, the writer said, "Let's give them fur boots and laser whips. Put it on screen. This is going to be great." What the? What was somebody? Is it just the craziness of the eighties? Tell me, Philip. You're older well, than I, I am. I, I think they they not only raised expectations through the whisper campaign of like, oh, the big bad Ferengi. You see their ship which apparently is bigger than, like, the USS Vengeance in the JJ-verse. I mean, <laughs> the ship is just huge. Um, and you're like, so there must be, like, a million Ferengi on the ship. So this must be a huge battle cruiser that has the same weaponry and arsenal as the Enterprise-D. So this is going to be huge, right? So you beam down, and they beam down. And you know what? It, and for me, it's not the costumes. It's not even the laser whip. It's the physical <laughs> acting and voice of of because uh, I, I think their regular height they just have um very they have a lot of spinal issues apparently so they're <laughs> hunched over they have scoliosis um, they have all these long think they have long fingernails some sort of uh uh arthritis i think that causes them to have to move their fingers and arms a lot and they have to like point at people exaggeratedly and they have to talk like this is that woman oh yes i mean like it's just ridiculous there's nothing nothing intimidating and it's just it's just i mean even Riker is like what what the <laughs> i mean that's you know you can actually see the away team looking at after even that, even after they've been laser whipped, they're like, "Can, can you just fire at us again?" Because that would probably be preferable to watching you guys. Well, and and like you said, Philip, I mean, with the way they talk, it's literally like the actors were given those prosthetic teeth like minutes before shooting this scene. Because I, I, I mean, yes, I, prosthetic teeth are hard to talk through. I mean, Worf had to do it, Quark had to do it, many many you know Star Trek actors have had to do it, and they master it. But it takes a while. But literally, it's it's like they took those vampire teeth you get, you know, around Halloween that are just a folded kind of piece of plastic and just shoved them in their mouth. To be fair. Yeah, that's actually a secret why Worf only says one or two words every episode. Because he's still getting nice used to the teeth. It's like, good To be fair, um, we can say that Quark, maybe, uh, you know, he... He he practiced in that episode, right? Because he was one of the yeah, first Frankie in that episode. That's true. So, I mean, I'm not saying Cork wouldn't have been a good character if it wasn't for TNG, but I am saying that. So... We birthed Quark. Thank you, well, I, DS9. Well, I, really, I think Quark really is a TNG character. <laughs> so. I think you're going a little oh, close to the line there, Phil. We are just we're just te- we are just teasing just for fun. Um, but but tru- uh, tru- was, truthfully, this, this is one of the things I want about. <laughs> it's right. He was on TNG. Absolutely. No, but he's not in the gambit. Um, what are you talking about, Philip? Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. I see what you're saying. I see where you went there. I got to bring it in if I can. I mean, it's my favorite episode. But, you know, one of the things I did want to talk about was this uh, the initial concept of the Ferengi as a threatening, intense villainy. That never played out. And I think they realized it right after the first episode. But there were a couple of other episodes that we saw that played that out. So we, we in the beginning of season one, we had the last outpost. And then we had the battle, which was, I think it was, oh, thank goodness. which was trying to kind of establish this rivalry, right? This is this between Picard and a Ferengi or, or an enemy, which we kind of got a little bit later better with Tomalok. Um, but... You know, I, I think that's what they were trying to do is establish this kind of recurring thing. And we actually got a, at the end of it, right, didn't we get um, Bloodlines? But this was yes. way further on. In the, I mean, you know, it we went from season one yeah. to season seven. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dan, are you saying TNG took an idea in season one and carried it all the way through to the last season? It, it may have happened, yeah, believe it or not, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think of these three or four episodes as the times that TNG took the Ferengi relatively seriously. You know, in the first episode, they took them too seriously, obviously. But the battle, uh, not a great episode overall, but I don't have a problem with uh, the Ferengi in that episode. And peak performance, too, right? Another another interesting episode where maybe we start to see the seeds of what the Ferengi would later become. 
like what are they interested in? What, what what is their motivation? So, as a villain, of course, we, we we I think we all agree they fail pretty spectacularly in the first appearance. But but Darren, do you think they they become any more menacing or at least any more interesting later on in these episodes? Well, I I feel they the problem is the actors themselves don't even buy it. I mean, the way they deliver their lines, they're like, no profit? It's like, they're like, who's writing this? I mean, this is garbage. Like, okay, you could have taken the concept of the Ferengi and in the exact same way that they're written, delivered it in a in, a, in an actual way that worked. I mean, you could have these kind of greedy, but it's not like, it's not like it's their number one character trait. I mean, we get it. Okay. They're greedy. Like you, you know, just like, uh, we know certain people were born in space. You know, we know the Frankie are greedy. <laughs> so, okay. So, but you could, but you know what I'm saying? Like you could write it where they're calculating. They're, you know, really careful about how they enter things. Cause they don't want to risk, you know, they want the sure things. They'll cheat you. You know, like th- maybe they have more of a history of distrust than outright like cannibalism or something. But yeah, I, I mean, like you said, the battle, not not the best episode. I mean, some of the visual effects are great. You get like the Picard maneuver and you get the, the kind of the ghosting of his crew on the burning bridge. That was kind of cool. Uh, I mean, it was a little too many shots of Picard just like twitching his head and squinting in agony for me. But uh but, you know, I just, yeah, it's, I don't know. They just, I don't see villain. I see comic relief. And and I actually do like the battle. Um, and, again, I do think it's interesting they carried that um, concept um, to, all the way to, to the seventh season. But, like, think if that had been the introduction of the Ferengi. Because, I mean, I like that story that Picard discovered or made first contact with the Ferengi. Like, he didn't know that at the time. But that that was an interesting story that, you know, this this alien race from Picard's past suddenly, you know, appears and, and now we know who they are. That would have been a cool. I mean, if that had been the introduction, a race last outpost. This is how we meet mm. them. I mean, it would have been I don't think it would have been like intimidating, but it would have been much more interesting. And because and I think in some ways that the more interesting Ferengi episodes are Ferengis not acting like Ferengis, because, like, for instance, that Daemon is not acting like a Ferengi because he's out for revenge, not profit. And then like, um, in suspicions, that's not a Ferengi. That's a regular phrase, a scientist. And so it's kind of interesting when they're not acting like a Ferengi, that's usually the best. That's true. Philip. I I hadn't thought of that. Reveal the character of the species by (laughs) those who act counter to the society, you know, instead of, you know, instead of just like, here, look, here's a bunch of Ferengi. We're meeting for the first time. We got to really show, how they act or we won't, or we can't get it and let's put them on the super cheap planet hell, you know, which just looks terrible. Well, and I think too, the thing, like even if we talk to a lot of deep space nine fans, I think that they'll tell you that Cork is such a, is the strongest. I mean, really the strongest Ferengi character because he, you know, he is very Ferengi, but on the other hand, he is, he, he, really stretches what that means like uh, you know he 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 goes from just a straight up caricature he goes to all about profit but you know deep down that the reason his character is interesting and anybody even likes quark the reason he's not the neelix of uh, of deep space nine is because he has that depth of uh you know of character where it's like he's he has this struggle of I, I know this is for the orb, so we'll, we'll let the orb talk about it. But but um, I, yeah, I I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would say that that the Ferengi aren't handled better in Deep Space Nine than they are in TNG. And so it's interesting that we would we would use that example of maybe use somebody who is counter to their culture to teach us about that culture. And I think that's really the entire arc of Quark in in Deep Space Nine. And and we do get him in TNG, so uh, it, you know it is it is relevant here. That's right. Next week will be our Bashir is a TNG character. <laughs> well, and um, to, to steal straight from Deep Space Nine, I mean, I, I I know this is obviously the Quark character, but I think it would have been great to 
again, have the Ferengi been that more mysterious villain rather than a brute force they could take out the Enterprise villain? And what if in season one we had had a Ferengi bartender at in Ten Forward, and he's like he's he he was really unique and able to you know secure a a charter to to be on the Enterprise, and he knows everything about his people. And so when the Enterprise does start to encounter them, he's like, yeah, like, don't trust them. Like, but you don't trust me either. I mean, I think that would have been a really interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, we have Guinan, but but if that had been a direction they had taken it more of the subtle villain than the because they try to present them as this. Well, oh, watch out. They're going to take us out. And they just they don't stack up. All right, uh, uh, Chris and Matt, uh, a brand new what if uh, crossover episode. Uh, what would happen if Cork was on TNG and Guinan was on Deep Space Nine? Oh, that's what we're gonna do. Ooh, that's a good one. Now, I would think the only problem of having uh, a Ferengi in Ten Forward is that anytime you ordered drinks, there'd be a mandatory gratuity. That's just, <laughs> that's just not well. Then he just points that... over to the replicator and he's like, kind of rubs his fingers together, and then the crewman has to go over, replicate two slips of ladinum, walk back over, and give it to him. He's like, "Why? Why am I doing this?" It's like, "Would you like a receipt?" No, I wouldn't. Here, here's a yard long receipt. It's just like all the things we don't want, and in this in in this interaction. Hang on, where would on in ten forward? Where would the Dabo table go? Uh, right in the middle. Uh, actually, I think uh, just you know, the, I think they would have gotten rid of the chess set. I think they would take over the chess set table, <laughs> or maybe that weird square with the stepping steps from the corners with the spheres. I really don't know what that game is called, but do we think or or, or the or the the makeout corner you know. or the Kata Scott <laughs> tournament <laughs> out and <turn> forward. <laughs> would, would Guinan have got along with Quark? Well, I mean, let's see, let's see. She's a listener and he has big ears. So... <laughs> it's hard to say because in this, know. in this theory, they don't exist in the same place, but, uh, all right, we're getting, yeah. we're, we're getting <laughs> way off. Hey, track here, we're still talking let's... about Ferengi. We're drafting the next game. <laughs> And in fact, I w- will come back to this because uh, there's I have a brilliant suggestion for a three-way crossover for Trek FM later on. Oh, oh. Uh, I know it's going to be as great. Long as We're going to do it. Edit it. I'm all this on board. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> but okay, a transition from three-way crossover to Menage a Troll. <laughs> I kind of am actually. Um, so right, so they tried as like as an intimidating as a serious villain for for a few episodes, and it didn't work out. So then we get this this kind of transition from from those Ferengi to the Ferengi who are kind of a they're bumbling and they're clumsy and they're a nuisance and they're they're comic relief, right? The three stooges of space. The first episode that I think of is Rom's introductory episode in Captain's Holiday. Um now this one is a little I mean, technically it is still supposed to be a a threat kind of, but it's more about the, the Picard bash story than that. But uh, I put Captain's Holiday in this category. Menage a Troy, obviously, because there are two naked Troys in that episode. Um, and the price, I, I, you know, I think that there was a conscious effort to move Ferengi into silly, campy, fun villain episodes. Now, so because they, they failed so spectacularly <laughs> in the serious ones. Now remind me, so I, I'm pretty sure the price. That's the one with the wormhole, right? And the and the negotiation. This is the. Yes, I just yes, want to yes, say yes. I love the continuity they draw with that on Voyager. I think that was the most brilliant moves that that series could have taken. But just just to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people don't like that Voyager episode, but I do. Oh, I, mean, I love it. The greatest episode, but I do like that they picked picked up on it. It's it's so brilliant. It's like they even mentioned that they're in the Delta Quadrant, like. It's, I, I was like, oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that episode, you know, because it was a Ferengi episode. And so I'm glad to, I'm glad to see these guys again. Listen, you know, Shar uh, uh, and Tristan, you know, to the journey. To the journey. To the journey. I, I love you guys, but this is the second time on this show I have to say our characters have ended up 
either way further or in the same region that you have and have still returned in the same episode. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's just, you know, I mean, Geordi and Data by themselves in a shuttlecraft could get back to the Alpha Quadrant in, in an episode. And the whole crew of the Voyager couldn't do it in seven years. It's, it's the views fine. of Data oh, Prude do not reflect the views of Earl Grey and or the other we call this the justice corollary. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I agree because, I mean, like like you said earlier, you know, okay, so they're not villains. Well, what about comic relief? Yucka, yucka, yucka. Does that, does that, does that work for everyone? Is that, everyone, does that work? Is that, you know? And so, I mean, I think for most of the time, not always, because there are some episodes that I hate that I'll, I haven't talked about yet. Um, but, you know, Captain's Holiday, uh, it's kind of comic relief, a threat, like you said. Um uh, Menage Troy. I mean, that's not per se comic relief. It is, but again, it's threat slash comic. Hang, relief. hang on, hang on, Philip, 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 Philip. I have to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Are you saying an episode where Picard ends the episode reciting Shakespeare to <laughs> to the Ferengi on the on the on the view screen is not comic relief? Is that what you're saying? I said somewhat. <laughs> I said slash. Comic relief Because I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have Luxana and a Ferengi. You know, I mean, this is it's the, basically this is the episode that introduces Umox to the dismay of every Star Trek fan in great, the history. Great. Of, yeah. TNG gets to introduce Umox to the canonization of a species, but not the rules of acquisition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Philip. I'm sorry, Philip. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're, I mean, you're good. Um, and and the price. I mean, I actually do because I, I actually I hate. Oh God, I hate that love story. But again, Troy, Troy and Riker. Oh God. But anyway, um, but the Ferengi episode or part of that is actually more interesting. Um, discovering the wormhole and then the the trick ending and all that stuff. So, and again, I, I, it's it's a fine line between Ferengi being comic foils and being annoying. And they're always wa- walking that tightrope every episode. Sometimes they fall on one side, sometimes they fall on the other, and so you know. Eh. I'd say sixty forty. It works out usually. It's it's just interesting this species because again, you know, it's almost like we're the what's the word? Not the trial series for a lot of these species, but like it's almost like we're getting all the bugs out because again, if you were to ask someone probationary, well, yeah, it, we're like going through the the trial runs. It's like okay, if you were to ask someone beta. what Star Trek, yeah, the Beta Quadrant test, uh, you know. <laughs> Which Star Trek is the Borg Star Trek? You'd most likely say Voyager. If you said, "Which Star Trek is the Klingon?" like where you see tons of Klingons, probably more DS9. Same with Ferengi. So, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just you know, while we get all these different species and we originate so many great things, like we we never really got to those deeper levels especially with these this this species well i mean i might i might disagree with what you're saying but i would say if you asked which series is the best series oh that's not even a question (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm not even a waste time in this recording (laughs) i mean it's enterprise obviously. (laughs) oh and then we lost philip he dropped out of the call (laughs) we are just teasing but we're completely serious about our views TNG is the proving ground um, oh, for, nice, for every for nice. every oh, there we go. So, I mean, yeah. Um, but rascals. Was, yep. Okay. That they. That, yeah, they do work there. Okay. Um, they. That's so, probably I mean, the best fit for the Ferengi as they are played in TNG. Is probably rascals. Well, I mean, there is the logical leap about them taking over the Enterprise in the first place. That <laughs> aside, just don't use the yeah. term number one because they totally know what that means. <laughs> I uh, would, no. I would argue, and this might just be my opinion, and that's okay. Um, I, I love Rascals. We've talked about this before. It's kind of a guilty pleasure, and I love it. But I actually kind of think Menage Troy is. A very similar episode in the fact that I buy the fact that they're silly villains and I'm okay with it. And I I like both of those episodes because they're both really fun episodes. I love all of the stuff on the – even the creepy I'm 70 years old woman and I want to rub your earlobes. Like I, I'm – it is weird and a little uncomfortable but like I like where it leads and, and 
Uh, Menage a Troy and Rascals to me are the two really fun, really enjoyable, really good Ferengi episodes. But then again, Menage a Troy is another example of a Ferengi not being a Ferengi because he's out for love. Not well, the best examples profit. in TNG of Ferengi are them not being Ferengi. <laughs> we do, we just we uh, we also mentioned that even in Deep Space Nine, the best example of a Ferengi is, I mean, Rom. Nog yeah, and Quark are all uh, examples of characters. Can I have a root beer, please? <laughs> <laughs> They're all examples of Ferengis. Dad! Not being Ferengis, so... Sorry, that was a terrible, terrible knock. <laughs> Real great. Now with 90% more Ferengi impersonations. <laughs> but, you know... I... But you need to get a, get a little down more on the ground. Sorry. <laughs> ah, Dad! <laughs> Go to Starfleet Academy. That's not even Darren. Just uh, don't. That's not even close. That's not no, even close. it's really. I can't. Really... I can't do a dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to put the thing around the back of your head. Oh yeah, that's why it's it uh, changes the pitch of his voice. Your ear shape. I, what the heck are with those? I don't know. Uh, it's like you know. Let's not protect the tops of our heads that apparently like exposed cranium. Let's protect the backs of our ears. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not about protection. Yeah. No, it's like what Daniel was talking about. That's their Klingon-sized head, right? So they just they kept the big four. Although I did and... like how they pretty much had the same hats in uh, Frozen. Pretty much all the people of Arendelle are wearing those same hats draped over their heads and ears. Uh, oh, wait, where were we? I think so, we've gone so, way off. <laughs> we have, we have. So, uh, okay, we've talked about in, in, the, in the very early seasons, in season one, we had Frankie as a villain. Justice. And then later on in seasons, I think seasons two and season three, we kind of transitioned to a more, you know, a, a comical relief kind of Ferengi. In season six, which which aired concurrently with season one of Deep Space Nine, they kind of took the mantle of of the Ferengi. But really, they didn't do a whole lot with it. They did a little bit with it, for sure. But they didn't do a whole lot with it, so there wasn't a lot that TNG were to, was going to pick up on. But even in the later seasons of TNG, we get really interesting episodes. And to Darren's point, we get even further examples of Ferengi not being Ferengi. You know, uh, we get Suspicions, which is really, I mean, this is the most un-Ferengi Ferengi we ever see, right? We well, get a scientist Ferengi. Like, I mean, not all Ferengi are greedy. They're poets and artists and sculptors. <laughs> well, do you think all Klingons are warriors? Some of us are lawyers. <laughs> but, no, I mean, you're right. Exactly, Daniel. It's This is a scientist, and he develops a pretty advanced even more advanced than federation shielding technology and i i like this episode it's a, it's very fun it's a very csi dr crusher nancy drew crusher you know nancy uh, drew. <laughs> I, I was reading the uh companion entry about this and larry nemichek wrote that this was the quincy of, oh yeah. of star trek the next generation yeah. or maybe the doogie hauser <laughs> But but we, for the record, that means a Ferengi defeated the Borg, because that shield defeats the Borg in descent. Well, that's a good oh. question. Are the Ferengi aren't part of the Federation? Are they? They're part of the Ferengi Alliance. No. Like they just mm-hmm. travel through our space all willy nilly and do whatever they want. And well, I guess we gotta you know give them props for that. <laughs> yes. A Ferengi was involved in another episode that also was referenced later. So, you know, continuity. <laughs> continuity. And then, of Just course, name okay, an episode so, continuity. Of course, uh, later on, we, like I said, we, we get um, in season seven, uh, we, or I think season six, we get suspicions. But later on, we get Quark, right? A Quark crossover in season seven. Barely. Apparently, Riker owes him money or something, right? Or. No, 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 no. What happened was Riker went to DS9, got one vouchers that apparently are only redeemable at Quark's bar. And so he was using that to get information. And he's like, all right, so do I have to, like, come back and get these vouchers? He's like, "Uh, I already uh, invalidated them while we were (laughs) (laughs) talking. 
I just, you know, I, I like this is a totally this is a side uh, a side conversation we should have and we will have uh, with the guys with with the orb. But uh, come, uh, like, why? Like, if you have two concurrently running, if 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 this ser- if if this existed now. If we had two Star Trek series running in 2014, the crossovers would be constant and they would be awesome. No, like, but with our luck, one would be a prequel and they'd be spaced like 500 years apart. Well, and no, of course. Like a ton of time travel. So in TNG and Deep Space Nine, I, I just want to talk about this real quick, guys. There are two overlapping seasons. Season six and season seven take place during season one and season two of Deep Space Nine. And we get three, that's it, three crossover episodes. We have Emissary, obviously, to launch the series, which is a great episode of Star Trek, uh, in my humble opinion, but uh, only elevated by the fact that Captain Picard's in it. Uh, we, we get Firstborn, and, and, and uh, Quark barely shows up on it. He shows up on the view screen as a thing for Riker, and, you know, blah, I'm Quark, and ha, 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 I gave away your money, blah, it's funny. It's good. It's it's good. I like it. I like those kinds of crossovers. It doesn't have to be super important to be a crossover. And then we get Birthright, where Bashir shows up on the Enterprise and is enamored with Data, which is near and dear to my heart because I would also be enamored with Data. But I just wanted to just to bring this up because how perfect, you know, you know, if you're going to have a subject to cross over with TNG with, why not do well, more of a of, of a of a like a quark or a Ferengi thing. And I mean, in series later, you know, when Worf would come on the show, I mean, that's, that's one thing, but already you have Miles O'Brien. So it's like, you have a fairly large character from, you know, next gen. Now as a series regular on DS nine, like, you know, he has friends. Like, why can't they go visit him on shore leave? Why can't we take shore leave at DS9? I mean, what is so great about Ryza that we can't go to <laughs> DS9? I mean, it's a pretty station, and Darren, there's I, always the threat of war. And you can't go to Ryza anymore, but some of us still like going there, okay? <laughs> okay, you can maybe DS9. comparing DS9 to Ryza is a bit of a stretch, Uh in every category, but I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to put it all together. The Ferengi love Ryza, by the way, almost every Rise episode, you'll see a Ferengi hanging around. Is that true? Catherine's holiday yes. and, uh, let he, it was, throw the yeah, first, whatever. Yeah. But not two days and two nights. Well, well, yes. Enterprise only showed the Ferengi. Once. I'm sorry. <laughs> to the detriment of the series. <laughs> I'm sorry they couldn't show them more than the time that they were supposed to have ever met them. Okay, guys, I, 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 I did bring this up for a reason. Not just to talk about crossovers, but to talk about how things changed in in the Ferengi and TNG. And, and we get, like I said, we in the beginning we get this villain that didn't work. And then later on we get this kind of comedic relief which kind of works and deep space nine kind of picked up on but but um do you think that was the right direction to go in do you think they should have maybe just dropped the ferengri altogether do they do are you okay with the way they kind of rewrit their history because really in the first appearance we don't get any any uh, you know mention of the the rules of acquisition or or that that greed is and... yeah exactly it's they're, they're totally different characters so do you buy or how do you justify in your mind that quark is a member of the this the last outpost race do you buy that at all or you just kind of ignore it well i mean it's like what we talked about during the borg episode that borg philosophy wasn't invented for until several like the goal of perfection was never in the uh, it was just technology acquisition. It wasn't anything about biological and technological organisms, too. Blah blah. blah. So, um, but I, 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 you know, I think it's it's all evolution. I think because that's what TNG is. We are the the uh, the petri dish of 24th century Star Trek, and so you know we they they experiment with everything. Like yeah, I mean the trill don't look anything like the trill in Deep Space Nine, and, and so you know I think it's all forgivable. Well, and and the I mean let's not say with the trill i mean they couldn't they not use transporters 
I'm pretty sure Jadzia yep. uses transporters like every freaking episode, but that's just a stupid rule to write. That's like telling people how many photon torpedoes you have on the beginning <laughs> of an impossible mission. You just don't want to do that. But yeah, it I think I think it was good though to still see the Ferengi in like suspicions and bloodlines and, and those those later seasons because even though they're kind of being rewritten and they're evolving I mean, you would hope that when when a when a person's writing an episode, they're going to use the villain or the or the character that's best for it. And honestly, ha- especially in like suspicions, I think it works very well having it be a Ferengi because rather than some new race of the week that you don't care about, you're like, oh, like this is kind of interesting. Like this is you know, oh, there's a Cardassian, oh, and the Klingon, and like all this you know stuff going on. And they walk into a bar. Oh wait, no. <laughs> but uh, so I, I mean, I really enjoy that, and it it does show a different side of the Federation. So I, I think they were used appropriately at, be, and sparingly, which was good at that time. I, I think let's focus more on Klingons and Borg and you know other you know other good villains uh, in those seasons and time travel because who doesn't love that? Aren't we going to mention the Ferengi appearance in the movies? Oh, the clown can stay, but the Ferengi and the gorilla suit has to go. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I forgot. Count. I forgot. But there are no Ferengi instances, you know, actual Ferengi on-screen appearances in the movies. I think there was one at the wedding in this far left corner, like far left corner. <laughs> a nemesis. Uh, never mind. You couldn't see it. Isn't that interesting? I did. You know, it's something I didn't. No, I no. hadn't considered, but. Um, no, that's, that, that is really interesting. Well, w- one thing that, that I think to me, and maybe I just read too much into it cause that's what I do. Um, uh, I think the characters themselves on, on the enterprise look at the Ferengi the same way we are like, who, who are these guys and wait, what's going on? And Oh God, it's the Ferengi again or what's going. Cause I think Riker is very varied in how he sees the Ferengi. Cause you know, there's the Riker who doesn't have time for people who are, being weirdo but at the same time there's also the Riker who loves to have fun he's the kind that would go to Clark's bar and and you know he'd find the whole thing you know um you know his bemused expression that Riker always has anytime the Ferengi are around um but like I think about the and this is gonna be weird but go with me like future imperfect when Riker is like you know I could get used to having a Ferengi uh, at the con um, oh yeah, you missed that you, Ferengi episode, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because and because I, I think you have Riker being bemused, like, oh, the Ferengi. Well, I guess maybe here in the future they still they, better than they... Wesley. <laughs> A Ferengi in Starfleet? That'll be the day. Leave that for another series. At least they don't call him the boy. <laughs> you know, it's. I'm glad you mentioned this, Philip, because it's it's the last point I wanted to talk about is. And this is Star Trek as a whole, and, and, and it's, this definitely envelops some of Deep Space Nine as well. But there's a line in – I'm not going to remember the episode title, so sorry about that, uh, listeners. But um, there's a there's a line where the that they're bringing Ferengi aboard. And actually, Philip, you might remember because this was the one where the, that Geordi wanted to bring the Ferengi to Cetacean Ops. Yes, i I was I was keeping this episode in my back pocket, but it's a perfect mate. Is what the perfect talking. mate? Right. Yeah. Do you want to start um, that over, Daniel, and just say no? No, no, no it's, it's fine. It's fine that Philip would know. That's okay. Um, so in the perfect mate, you know, they bring these Ferengi on board, and you know, barely Riker barely tolerates them, and he's like, "I don't want them on the same deck as me." You know, don't put their quarters anywhere near. Like it's really racist. Like it's like. Any Ferengi are completely useless. I don't want anything. They smell. They're gross. I don't want them near my quarters. And then it's just, and then you know, this kind of thread is carried on a little bit later on in Deep Space Nine, but it's why? Like, are the writers, like, maybe, are they kind of self, uh, like, they have this kind of self-loathing because of why would we come up with this race? But, but but they're I don't know what they're trying to say because they're really racist against the Federation is shown over and over again to be very racist against the Ferengi. You mock us. <laughs> you betray us. Tell me, Daniel, would you have your child date a Ferengi woman? <laughs> I mean, 
she would. Okay, we don't have to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I knew a Deep Space Nine line. I win. But yeah, no, I think it's. Although you say the writers, but I mean, by season six or seven, it's a totally different writing crew than than season one or two. I mean, yeah, you have some like you still have Rick Berman, you still have a couple people around, and you have like the series Bible and stuff. But I mean, maybe that's why we get a little more variety is it's people are are trying to take a crack at it. I mean, look at the Klingons, like uh, the the when they got kicked off in TNG that was all you know one writer who really just crafted all of those great Klingon stories Ron Moore yeah because I think in a perfect made because I just watched that episode and they are just like they're like last outposts annoying like <laughs> oh, 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 oh I said a funny joke oh, oh, oh. I'm like oh, I can't I, oh god you're just awful awful but like, but it's just that episode, like Last Outpost and A Perfect Mate, are the worst, worst Ferengi episodes. But we've talked about a whole bunch of other ones that are that are you know at least Decent. more interesting, more watchable. I mean, like they're just not watchable. I mean, that's a, that's the when the Ferengi are bad, they're not even watchable. It's it is pack led territory, which you've you guys already said. I mean, like seriously, I'm like, I what what are we trying to make fun of here? Because I feel like. We should be helping them and not making fun of them because they obviously have mental. Issues. I don't know. Neelix shows up as a Ferengi, so it's true that he was an original. He was an original Ferengi. I mean, you do notice that you know in the Star Trek fan collectives, you have the Borg and the Klingons and the Captain's Pick and Q, but you know they don't have that Ferengi pack. I just can't believe they passed up on that marketing gold. To package all the Ferengi episodes together, wrap it in an orange cover, and bury them in the desert because nobody would buy it. Well, the way to, to open up that case is you have to kind of right, right on that right part. You just have to rub it just right, and right. When you <laughs> I thought do you were going to say you have up. to use your pointed teeth to to get into the <laughs> into the cellophane. Oh, I do love I do love that moment in uh, Deep Space Nine when. Uh, when Nog is, is selling off, like as a rite of passage, he's like becoming a man. He's selling off a oh, lot yes. of his earthly possessions and or Nog. Wow, yeah. I like I like that statement you just said: becoming a man and selling off earthly possessions. Earthly. Yeah, right, Two right, things right. that are human yes, and has nothing becoming, to do with Ferengi. He's, beco- he's becoming an adult how... and selling yes. off, you know, selling off all his possessions and and um, he's selling off his tooth sharpener and Worf, of course, Worf. Is interested in it. He gets all excited about it. Um, but y- you know, thing. it's it is interesting because even though Deep Space Nine would definitely be considered the the Ferengi show, they don't have any. You know, Deep Space Nine fans, I don't think, have any particular affinity to to because they have just as many bad Ferengi episodes as we do. I would say, you know what I mean. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 the saving grace of the characters on that show of the of the Ferengi characters. That that kind of make those that race interesting, but I don't think really is any. Does anyone care about the Ferengi as a race overall? Maybe their racist comments from Riker is the is uh, is a true statement about how nobody really cares about the Ferengi. Nobody wants to see them, and nobody's interested in them. I don't know. So it's not a stereotype if it's true, Daniel. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Gosh. I think oh I think as goodness. much as they tried to reveal about them, they just never revealed enough. I mean, when they finally get to the Frankie homeworld and we see it, I'm kind of like, at this point, I don't even care. I don't even <laughs> care what your planet looks like. It's just... I don't care if all the women are naked. It's like Seattle. It just rain all the time. I'm going back to... <laughs> you just took a nudist colony in Seattle and just combined it into a whole planet. I mean, that just doesn't even work. Yeah, well, all right. Well, okay, we're, we're, I mean, we've kind of been talking about this, the Ferengi as a whole here at the end here, but, but just Darren, if you had, you know, anything to say, go ahead and finish up. What do you, you know, Ferengi, thumbs up, thumbs down, like hit or miss, like, what do you think? Uh, Okay, like to their credit, some of the things I do like about the way the species was presented, I like the names like Daemon, you know, and Bach. Like it's very like Cardassians, like Gull and Leggett. Like I I like stuff like that. That's like cool world building stuff. You know, like they wouldn't just all be captains. You know, I mean, that's just 
that that adds to the alien flavor. I also like, you know, in season one, Ferengi, they, I think they kind of have like almost a rank insignia on their temple. It's the Ferengi symbol and then how many little kind of like slashes next to it. So I, I like how their logo is kind of their ear and, and how it kind of pops up. So, uh, and that's about it where it, that's, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, so they do do some things creatively, but then they bring out laser whips and it all just falls apart. So uh, give it uh, four laser whips of despair. <laughs> Philip, what do you think? <laughs> oh Lordy, are we really rating species? I, now? I don't know. I think that's I, kind of, know. I think that's kind of racist. I'm just I'm just saying that. I don't think we can you know. Um, but, I, Ferengi. I mean, it's a, it's an like I said. There's this huge variety between bad and and, and okay and oh well, that was a yeah, pretty good. Um, but the the weird thing is. They kept writing them into episodes. It's not like uh, we tried, didn't work. Okay, we'll we'll move on. They kept bringing them back, so obviously there's something there. I, I mean, I again, I mean, there is something there for a few episodes. Um, again, I don't it, like if if we could have the wish between erasing all the Ferengi episodes or keeping them. I mean, I would keep them. I mean, there there are some good. I would say three fourths of the ones are good, pretty good ones. They don't necessarily ruin an episode. They just do that sometimes. But I mean, I mean, I, I will, I will certainly. I mean, because look at Deep Space Nine. They decided, like, man, you know how much we hate the Ferengi. Let's have like three more, <laughs> in in almost every in episode. Series. <laughs> yeah. I, so I mean, I guess maybe there's just something there that that speaks to us about. I mean, again, let's get to the fundamental nature, right? The super capitalist. They'll do anything for profit, and that's obviously. And again, I'm kind of insulting everyone's intelligence, but you know, obviously, every alien species is supposed to be an exaggerated part of humanity, and so this is the exaggerated part of of humanity, or maybe just Americans, right? Because we're we're at least probably the most capitalist of of the countries, right, to a certain extent. Um, so, I mean, that, that the Yankee trader, right? Um, and so, you know, it's it's an interesting mirror to to hold up to ourselves, like, oh, they're so comically, you know, cartoonish, but you know, as as TNG showed a little bit, and Deep Space Nine did a lot more. You know, maybe that's uh, something about us that we want to address. You know, they tried. They really tried. And they, they tried to make them interesting in different ways. And, you know, they, they, they started by trying to make them villains. And then, and then they tried to make them funny. And then they tried to make them interesting. Like, in Suspicions, they tried to break their own mold that they had created for themselves by making this scientist... They tried to deepen the Ferengi lore, and I, I appreciate the attempt. But there's something fundamentally missing from the Ferengi species, I think. That that if you can only have a few characters that, that rise above, and, and to be fair, they're, they're all Deep Space Nine characters that, that really make this whole race interesting. You know, Even if they're supposed to be a reflection on us as people... Then, the, then you're doing something wrong. You don't have to do that with Klingons. It's like... And I'm not the biggest Klingon fan, but there are. It's not like there are only three or four interesting Klingon characters. The the Klingon race has kind of captured Star Trek fandom, and and been re, you know people have, have sought after it and been interested in it, and the, you know it's been a thing. So why have the Ferengi just fallen on their faces and squished their noses up into their heads? You know, so many times. I don't know. I don't know the right answer to the question. Um, they, they have pretty bad coordination. I don't know if you've seen them walk and the way they move their hands. So that's probably why. But, you know, it is it is what it is. And uh, like Philip said, I don't know that I would necessarily trade in the Ferengi episodes. Um, it was a, it was an interesting concept. And, and, and it was, you know, it was it was brought out a little bit more in Deep Space Nine. And, and we did get some really good things out of it. But, you know, you can't have a whole run every time, right? Not every not every race can be the Romulans. So, uh, but now, if you traded in the Ferengi, how much latinum would you get? Good question. Or know. worthless, worthless gold. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, uh, the Ferengi are not the only things we've been talking about on Truck FM this week. So here is a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> But, you know, when everybody else had their Kirk shirt or their Spock shirt, like the first uniform I had my mom make me was a McCoy uniform, of course. Earl Grey. 
the 7-7 Challenge. Did you know that Tim Russ was one of the possible choices for Commander Droid But did you know he was also in Star Trek Generations? But did you know he was also served with Captain Sulu on board the Excelsior? I did know that, in fact. The Orb. Our Ben Bashir Commentary. <laughs> I love Avery. <laughs> Tell me what happens next. <laughs> and the look, the look up at an angle. He's yes. not even looking at Bashir. He's no. looking up at the angle. Tell me it's... what happens next. <laughs> the ready room. Specter of the gun. They just, they're so quick to jump to conclusions. Like the guy gets shot in front of them and they're like, death is the only thing that's real on this planet. And like, wait a minute. <laughs> How do you know that? That could just be a total figment of your imagination as well. To the journey. Favorite son commentary. Yeah, Janeway is... Uh, you better get more coffee, sweetie. It's going to be a long day. Ensign Kim is going to put you through some hell. Warp 5. Alternate outcomes of the Zindi crisis. But inter- the Enterprise is heavily damaged. We're talking practically destroyed. Everything but a shell. Maybe the saucer se- section is the only thing that's still around. And... 80% of the crew dies. Commentary, Trek stars. Rick Berman and Star Trek. He's kind of a moving target, so he found some dimensionality. He's made it into a cube. Yeah. And so he was able to move things around in there. A pork cube. Mm. <laughs> Continuing mission. Star Trek Equinox. John Savage actually came up with the premise for the story, but we, they needed somebody to flesh it out, to develop it, and... So they sent me John's premise, and I just, well, it expanded into the script for the project that we're doing. Melodic Treks. The Borg in Music. In when when they released it as a Blu-ray, they combined them. They connected yeah. them, and there's the no feature. delay. There's they, they cut off that music, and then it's just like, oh, that didn't work. Literary Treks. Rise of the Federation, Tower of Babel. Saval talks about this idea that, you know, people mutually consent to abide by these rules for their collective benefit. The idea that, you know, absolute unfettered freedom is just a ridiculous idea. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. And our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, not to be confused with Spock's Brain, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And you can also directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyway. If you go to trekfm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tabo Ushi who does most of the artwork that you will see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which one you would like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show and the network to you each week. All right, guys, I have to head back to Ferenginar uh, for the for the monthly commission on profits and trade commission money, Terry things. So uh, if people wanted to get a hold of you on the internet, Darren, how would they do that? They can find me on Twitter under username, Dr. Sci-Fi that's D R S C I F I. 
and if they want to talk about other great bits of science fiction, like our friends the Ferengi, but but not like other other science fiction. Uh, they can catch me on my other show, which is called The Dr. Sci-Fi Show, where we explore different topics every month. All right, Philip, and how about you? Um, if they want to reach me, they can find me on Twitter as well. My handle is at NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina. And we can chat about doing an all Ferengi production of how to succeed in business without really trying. <laughs> Who moved my latinum? <laughs> Wonderful. And if they want to get a hold of me, um, I, you know, I'm a pretty good negotiator, so they can find me at one up Dan, and that is the number one, not the word. So, got one up negotiator. <laughs> so, guys, I guess I'll catch you on Ferenginar. Engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Fire. Fire.